got a show for you today, especially if you want to know how to be a super fan and how to get super fans. It is CastBox on air. I'm Joel Tom. And I am Travis Wright. And uh, this is CastBox on air. Yes. It is. And this is a show that is broadcast live using the CastBox app and their incredible live cast feature that anybody can use to create their own podcast and broadcast live and engage with their fans who can both chat in the message room or call in and be part of the show. Yeah, it's like an old time radio show. You could call in and talk to the guests like with a regular podcast. Normally you can't do that. So this is a cool innovation. It's like a conversation. I just had a deja vu, Travis. You did? I did like a, a, a legitimate deja vu because I'm looking at the about page for our guest and I'm like, haven't I done this before? It was just, it was truly one of those glitches in the matrix. <laughs> Are you okay? I, I think I am, but I haven't. Okay. I, I know I have interviewed him before because we've been friends for a number of years and uh, we we've probably I want to say six, maybe seven years. I've known this guy and uh, he has created a legion of super fans through his podcast, the Smart Passive Income podcast. And now he's got a brand new book, which is a follow-up to his Wall Street Journal bestseller. And the follow-up is called Super Fans, The Easy Way to Stand Out, Grow Your Tribe, and Build a Successful Business. He's here today to join us. Please welcome to On Air, Mr. Pat Flynn. Hey, Pat. Hey, hey. What's up, Joel? Hey, Travis. Good to be here. Calling in from where? Where where are you based out of? Uh, I am based out of San Diego, California. I'm in a brand new studio that uh, I just set up actually at a WeWork. So I'm working out of a WeWork. And that happened because in February, my other studio, which was just at a business park, uh, was broken into and all my stuff got stolen. So that wasn't fun. But uh, we're here now and it's actually better. And I built the whole thing from, from ground up and all the latest and greatest sort of podcasting, video and live streaming equipment. And uh, it's, we've been we've been having a lot of fun with that. That's cool. So you have your own. So you just basically are renting an office there monthly, and you just converted it into a badass podcast booth, video booth. That that's absolutely right. And actually, one thing that uh, we're doing is as we are building it out, my videographer and I, we're sort of filming the entire build and sharing oh, sort of what we're learning along the way. So we recently did a bunch of videos about the soundproofing because when you first walked in to the space when it was empty, it sounded like a church. So mm. we partnered with some companies and did some things, add flooring and, and carpet to reduce the echo. And then we're going to do lighting later. We're going to do uh, our podcasting equipment, video equipment, all this other stuff later. And you got a new course of, coming then, I bet, huh? Uh, ah. p- potentially. But uh, right now, it's just it's just mainly a YouTube play to grow our subscribership there. We're about to hit 200,000 subs on YouTube, which is really exciting. Nice. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're growing and just sharing stuff along the way. That's a lot of people. Well done, Mr. Pat Flynn. Thank you. But as you know, you come out with a video with 200,000 subscribers. Not everybody's going to see it. I mean, that's kind of what's happening everywhere now. But uh, just, you know, hoping the, the YouTube gods are on my side uh, every now and then. Well, you are one of those guys that's out there doing good stuff. You know, you really care about people. And I could tell that your your mission is not just about podcasting, right? You're on the advisory board of Pencils of Promise. You've helped build schools in, in Africa, and you're using your success to help 
teach other people, uh, which I, I guess is in line with being a dad, right? Because you've got young children that are school age. I do. My son, he's nine. My daughter is six. My son, actually, uh, he and I have a podcast together, actually. It's called All of Your Beeswax. And uh, the cool thing about it is, honestly, it's not there to, to get a bunch of listeners. It's there to be a cool, fun bonding experience. But out of that, it's been really cool to see him sort of improve his communication skills, his confidence behind the microphone. He was actually on uh, my stage at my event in San Diego. We had about 400 entrepreneurs come to town for FlynnCon. And he had a, a seven-minute keynote that he did all on his own, including the slides. And he had a little clicker, and, and, and he brought down the house. He actually got more laughs than oh. I did, which <laughs> I was a little jealous about that. But it was oh, cool. that is such that is such a great experience. You know, I got my, my little dude is now a senior in high school, so it's amazing how quick they grow. And I, I remember always having great conversations. I, I have a bunch of audio conversations with him whenever he, he was younger as well, which was so fun to do. You know, it's a great it's a great bonding moment for you guys. That's just like a heartwarming time you guys get to have. Yeah, totally. And and you know, he is now building small businesses. Uh, they kind of do that at school every year, which is really fun. And and he kind of uh, is there running the show there for his company. Um, he built a company last year for the school that sort of culminates at the end of the year. It's sort it's sort of a year long project. And you know, they have me come into the school to talk about marketing, and they have other people come in to talk mm. about logo design and then they have to like build their own companies and at the end of the year they have all the students selling their goods uh to the entire community which is really neat and his company is called uh it was called up vinyl and they took old uh vinyls from events and you know those old like soccer banners that you use for like one year when you take photos and then you like never use them again he would uh take those and then uh, he hired a a company to help um sew them into grocery bags which was pretty Mm -hmm. cool so like that kind of stuff just gets me going i i love teaching kids entrepreneurship. I think those are skills that everybody should learn and to do it at a young age is great because a lot of those skills, yeah. whether you become an entrepreneur or not, are going to be helpful for you. What yeah, kind absolutely. of school is that? Because I, I, that, that doesn't sound like a normal public school. It is, it's not a normal public school. It's sort of an experimental project-based learning, great progressive school. And, oh, um, very cool. It's really cool. Yeah, I've been falling in love with that kind of stuff. Well, my little guy is not a little guy anymore. I've got a 27-year-old son. <laughs> so, but you know what? <clears throat> Dadding, fathering never stops, uh, you know, and, and you transition into more of a friendship than the parent role. But, you know, they always, I think you always need your parents and um, education in learning, you know, never stops. So let, let's jump into some meat here because I know your fans that are popping in, uh, you guys are going to come up with some great questions, but I want to start off by talking about smart passive income. You know, the mission of this to teach people how to generate passive income and be in business for themselves. Talk, you know, where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, it came from the fact that in 2008, I was set off to be an architect, actually. I went to school for architecture. And then in June, uh, actually a couple months after proposing to my girlfriend, um, I was told that I was going to be let go. So the timing was pretty bad. And of course, this was during the recession. But out of this, I discovered this world of online business. And I had built an online business uh, pretty quickly after I got laid off uh, to help people pass an architectural exam. And that business took off. I mean, within a year, it, it generated over $200,000 in sales from mainly a $19 ebook. And the cool thing about this and the way that I set it up was that because it was an ebook, people could come to the website, they could download it, and, and in exchange uh, for 
more money in my PayPal account and, and everybody wins. And that was the cool thing. And so um, a lot of people, especially from the architecture world, were asking me like how I was able to survive the recession and build something uh, like a like an online business. So I created smartpassiveincome.com to basically just reveal everything that was going on because I didn't even know this world existed. And even when I started to research it, there was a lot of things I was coming across that just were kind of misleading and, and, and you know, kind of scammy and, you know, hey, get rich quick, all this stuff. And, and I put in a, a load of work and, and, and to, to things like that to make it work. And so I just wanted to build a resource that people could trust to uh, show people literally leading by example how to do things. And so I've built several other things. Actually, thanks to you, Joel, and you, I you think you might remember, remember this because of your iFart app. Uh, you encouraged my high school friend and I, we built an app company. We made over a million dollars in app sales, actually. And then we closed the company mm. because we just weren't interested in it anymore. But we experimented with that. And I shared that process. I built a, a software company that's still up and running uh, and a few other niche sites and, and more businesses. More recently, a physical product that was put in production and kickstarted earlier this year, made over a half million dollars. And um, so switch pod, baby. I'm waiting yeah, on mine. Switch pods coming soon. Uh my partner was at the factory not too long ago to make sure everything was good. So we're, everything's clear. We're, we're about to ship it out, but I just love building new things and sharing it along the way. And it doesn't always work. Sometimes it's a complete failure, but it's always something that a person can learn from. Um, and they, people started calling me the crash test dummy of online business, like try <laughs> things and Hey, if it works or not, I still report back for everybody's safety. Mm, that's so great. So, so let me ask you this then. So say there's a new entrepreneur who's thinking about starting their business or it's got something going. I'm sure there's people listening right now that are, that are in the chat. Like what advice do you say is like, Hey, you want to make some extra money online? Like where, I know, where do they begin? Where's, what are some of the first steps they need to consider? Yeah. I mean, number one, you just need to believe that it can happen. I think more than anything, it's a mindset thing to become an entrepreneur and to, to start making money online. Um, once you realize that this can happen, then it opens up the possibilities for you. I think a way to do that is not just by telling yourself it can happen, but actually looking at success stories of others. And so that's why podcasts uh, that interview success stories. And this is why on my podcast, I have a lot of people that you may never have heard of before on the show doing really well. And that's because they're more relatable versus, you know, these bigger names, which they're great too, but they're just in a completely different league. Mm -hmm. So getting inspiration, I mean, that was really helpful for me because when I first started out, I had listened to a podcast. Uh, it was called Internet Business Mastery. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you mm -hmm. remember that, but there was an episode where a guy was making six figures a year, helping people pass the project management exam. And I was like, that was my light bulb moment. That was my relatable moment of somebody else doing it mm. and me going, hey, I guess I could potentially do this too. So that's number one, just the belief, because like Henry Ford says, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Um, beyond that, uh, it's really important to understand that you don't need to create the next Uber. You don't need to create the next fidget spinner. I think a lot of people who start businesses kind of aim for that. And I think that's okay. But the problem is like those are those are called unicorns. Those are things that are huge that are just very unlikely to happen, which is why they're called unicorns. I think like like the iFart. After we created the iFart app, there was dozens of copycats and exactly. none of them had any legitimate success. Right, right. And 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 they 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 go, "Whoa, that worked uh for Joel." And and I think what you need to find is what works for you. And I think the most important thing is that you need to make the you, you need to solve somebody's problem. That's that's really what all businesses really do. Uh, 
And that's how you build a long-term business. If you can find a group of people, a target market who has a very specific problem, find one person that you can help. And that, that, this just makes it so easy. Just find one client who needs help with whatever problem is that you're solving and get, get them a result. And whether you do that for free or, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Just help them get a result. Because when you can do that, that proves to yourself that you have the ability to help others. That proves to others who are coming in later that you've done it before. And this is why a lot of people struggle when they are building businesses because they're trying to build the whole course. They're trying to build you know, everything before even actually having a business that has helped anybody ever yet. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it's funny because when I was in high school, I remember just there was this trend for one year where everybody was printing business cards for themselves as high school students. And it had like our name. It had our uh, pager number. I'm dating myself a little <laughs> bit. Uh, but, but it nice. also had like, our skills like black belt and karate and singer and, 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 you know, whatever. But it was like, okay, you have these business cards. Great. But like, you don't actually have a business. I think before printing out the business cards, before building the website, even before creating your social media handles for your business, find a person and help them. And that is going to give you some great experience to get you that first win, to get a person, their first win, and you can just build your business from there. The passive part's a little tricky because guess what? That's actually the last step in the entire process. That's what everybody wants, but you can't have that right from the start. You have to be very active and spend time helping people solve problems. Then and only then can you build it out in such a way that you can either scale it or optimize it or hand off a lot of that work or use software or other to remove yourself from that process. But starting with passive income in mind uh, first is is sort of a, a lose situation. I want it all now, though. Oh, that's no fair. You mean I got to work? I, I, but I want an overnight success. <laughs> and what people don't realize is that they only see it's kind of like, you know, the, the bamboo tree, right? That builds this root infrastructure underground for years. And then mm-hmm. over six weeks, it goes boom and blows up to this huge tree. And people look at that and go, wow, that tree grew overnight. But that's right. not the right. truth. I it mean, the media years. doesn't help us either, right? Because they highlight these unicorn stories and they make us all feel like it's just that easy. We just need an idea in the right place at the right time. No, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And there's no, you know, there's no such thing as an overnight success. Even those overnight successes that you hear about, right? Like how uh, you know Harry Potter was an overnight success. Like she just came out with the Harry Potter series and it blew up, but you don't you don't hear about the the 15 rejections that she had from publishers and almost giving up and just the years of hard work and denial and all this stuff. I mean, every success story has that. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Go ahead, Trev. No, that's just great. And so, and, you know, one of the things you're, you're talking about there is, is like one of those core, you know, missions is go out and help other people. And I, and I, and I think Napoleon Hill, he said that is like, if you go out and you give more value than you're expecting to receive monetary value from, like you you keep adding value into other people's lives, you are going to help enrich their life and your life will get enriched as well. And it's been one of those core messages of like, you know what, go out and help other people. That's why I like Mr. Joel Com. He likes to tell people to do good stuff. And Mr. Joel Com does good stuff, so that's good. I, I try to. Yeah, it's that power of the community, right? And you're out there helping people, and you, you have a community of over 150 thousand people that are aspiring, you know, to be a business owner, or they're or they're thinking about doing a business. Like, how did you how did you grow, you know, over time, and and how did you discover this super fan process? Yeah, I mean, it was just through consider. And by the way, 
I love that quote from Napoleon Hill. There's a similar one by Zig Ziglar, which is which is the one I remember, which is you will get all you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. Mm-hmm. And, and and just using that moving forward has been my strategy. And it's it wasn't really even a strategy. It's not like, ooh, okay, I'm going to consciously just, you know, put on my helper cap. It's just I naturally want to help others. And I've noticed over time that the more you help others, the more you get back in return. I, I often say your earnings are a byproduct of how well you serve others. And so really, it's just been over time, I've been noticing these patterns of when I've had success, and it's always been a result of helping others. And sometimes it's not a direct transaction. It's not I help you and you buy my stuff. It's very often not that. But very often it's a, hey, let me provide value to your life. And you know you might give me a recommendation to somebody who then helps me, or you might have this amazing tip for me because I've been doing something wrong this whole time. I mean, there's so many other ways to add value than just to kind of pay somebody something. So um, for me, I mean, the, my, my first interaction with a super fan, that really is the fir- one of the first stories I tell in the book actually came from my architecture website. Because a lot of people know me now and they're like, you know, I go to conferences a lot and I can't even walk down the hallway without uh, taking a selfie or or whatever. And it's just the craziest thing. I'll never get used to it. I don't uh, admire they're fl- they're fanatics they're, they're fanatics or you know they're they're, <laughs> they're a part of team flynn i call them mm-hmm. um and and i love it and i appreciate every one of them and i stay there as long as i can to say he- hello to everybody but it, it's it's crazy but um you know my first fan was actually from my architecture website after my website had been up for a few months helping people pass this exam i got this email from a woman named jackie and in this email she said she'd been studying for this uh, exam that i was helping people pass for ye- for over a year and failing and she finally found my stuff she passed and i remember her because she and i went back and forth a lot on the comment section of my blog and uh via email so she was super thankful she she finally passed she got a raise and a promotion um and she was even like can i take you out to dinner and i'm like i don't think my fiance would be happy with that, but okay, like this is kind of cool um, that like she would want to do that. But then at the end of the email, she said, uh, she said, your biggest fan, Jackie. And I was like, biggest fan, like what? I mean, I'm not an actor or a musician or an athlete. That's what we're fans of. We're not a fan of somebody who helped you pass an exam. But what I found out was a couple months later that there were 30, there was like 25 to 30 new customers who came in that all had the same email address as her like at the end of her at the end of her email address and i found out that she personally had gone and made everybody in her firm not just take the exam but study through my stuff and actually go and buy my material she could have just shared it with them for free but she went further and had everybody buy my stuff for me so that one person one jackie turned into like 30 new customers and it just made me realize the power of what one person experience can have to help you support what you want to do and 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 this combined with kevin kelly and his 1000 true fans essay which was very important for me in the beginning as well just made me realize that wow i got to focus on people's individual experiences my brand because every individual could lead to a, a major game-changing event for me just like jackie and so in the beginning when i was starting smart passive income i definitely made sure that i replied to everybody i made sure to go above and beyond with helping them and in return i got this amazing support and it just kept growing and growing and growing and and, and that's the cool thing and that's what i teach others to do and the idea of a thousand true fans it just uh i i love that that theory um from Kevin Kelly. This was an essay written back in 2007. And the cool thing about this was it basically said, hey, if you're trying to build 
a business and a life and, and earn a lot of money, you don't need a blockbuster hit. You don't need to have a gazillion viewers. You don't need to have a billion products sold. You just need a thousand true fans. Because here's the thing. If you have a thousand true fans, a true fan or a super fan defined as somebody who, you know, if, they, if you're a musician, they're going to drive 10 hours to see your set. If you are a product creator, they're going to buy your product and stand in line for hours without even knowing what it is. Like that's a super fan. If you just had a thousand of those and they were paying you a hundred dollars a year, that's on the low end, right? Because we often spend a hundred dollars a month on things we don't even use like cable television. So a hundred dollars a year, isn't that much? A thousand times a hundred is a hundred thousand dollars. There's your six figure business right there. So instead of focusing on, let's get a load of people, let's get millions of followers. I want millions of subscribers. Let's just get a thousand true fans. And if you can do that, the cool byproduct of that is those thousand true fans are going to grow your audience to millions because they're going to be ambassadors. They're going to defend you from trolls. They're going to be here to support you no matter what. And so that's what this book teaches you how to do. Kevin Kelly was the theory and the what. Uh, this is the how. This is the how-to and the recipe mm. guide for building those super fans over time. A legion, an army of fans, as it were. That's, that's good advice. You know, we hear all the time, and people come to me, and I'm sure you hear it more than I do. I've got a great idea, right? I've got a great <laughs> idea. What do you, when somebody comes to you and says that, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Uh, that's funny. The first, the, like, literally, the first thing that comes to mind is okay, I'm imagining what are you going to tell yourself to get in your own way of making this idea actually happen? And it's because we're, we're, we're always the ones that stop us. I mean, there, yes, there's external things that can stop us, but oftentimes even those are internal mental thoughts that are hurdles or brick walls that stop us. So for example, one might be, Oh, I just don't have the time to do this. And you think that's an external well, there literally isn't any other time because there's this other thing I have to do and this other thing. And thus, this idea will just remain an idea. But really, when a person says, I just don't have the time, what that really means, if, if we were to translate this, is there are things that are more important for me to do than this right now, uh, that the priorities aren't there. If you really wanted it to be done, you would make time for it, just like we do with the things that are important to us, like our kids and our livelihood and such. And so the, 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 the thing, and this goes back to my story, the reason, the, the reason why I, I actually became successful was because I got laid off, because I didn't have a plan B, because I had to make it work. My back was up against a wall. Therefore, I actually did things that I wouldn't normally have done. And so when, whenever a person goes, oh, well, I have a great idea for this, my first thought is, okay, how are you going to probably stop yourself? And I want to be there for support. Of, co of course, when they when they say these things, uh, I think it was Les Brown who had said the most expensive, the, the richest place on Earth, the richest place on Earth is the graveyard, because that's where all the ideas, all the innovation that never actually happened lies. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's so true, because imagine how many great things could there could be in this world today if people just didn't listen to that voice in their head that said, no, you're not right for this, or you don't have the time, or you don't have the money, or you're not qualified, or there's other people better than you. Yep, it's it's that doubt that goes through people's heads that just, you know, just eats eats at them sometimes, right? It's just, it's crazy. Exactly, right. exactly. Yeah, so, so let me ask you this, then. so, you know, there's a progression of your fans here. If you talk about it here in the book, which I thought was really interesting, is that you're taking your casual audience to an active audience. 
then an active audience to a connected community. How do you, cause, you know, I think a lot of people, if they have a podcast, they have some that's, you know, there's a, there's a, there's an active audience there. What's the, what are some of the key steps of turning that into a connected community though? Yeah. And thank you for mentioning this progression. This is what I call the pyramid of fandom, because the truth is when people find you for the first time, that's not when they become a fan. They become a fan because of the different experiences you create for them, or as I like to say, the magical moments you create for them over time. I mean, think of a, uh, the first time you hear a cool song, right? It's like you're not immediately a fan of that band uh, if you've never heard of them before. But, you know, that's your trigger. Like, oh, this song's cool. Let me dig into their album. Let me then, you know, maybe check them out on YouTube. And then I'm going to go check them out at a concert. And then I'm going to go VIP access. Then I'm going to go backstage. And now I'm, like, spending thousands of dollars on their stuff. It happens over time. And I think, you know, the, the part that you're talking about is after a person, for example, subscribes to you or they learn about you, they're subscribed to your podcast, they can still feel like they're just casually listening. And I think your job is to make them feel like they belong to something. And there's a few different ways to do that. Number one it, 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 it is to, to speak their language. Uh, you know, I think when a person hears other people saying things that they resonate with, you immediately gravitate toward those areas. Jay Abraham said, if you can define the problem better than your target customer, they will automatically assume you have the solution. So when you speak your audience's language, or as I like to say in the book, when you when you share the right lyrics, you make people feel like they're a part of something. This is why all of Taylor Swift's songs all have kind of the same language. It's about, you know, love and, you know, meeting under the bleachers and all this stuff that her target audience will resonate with because that's what they're going through in their lives. Um, and, and that's really important to make people feel like they belong to something. It's the moment when you start either speaking above or below or around a person and really what they would, might resonate with is they start to feel like, oh, well, maybe this isn't the place for me. So that's number one. I think number two more so than that is, is making them feel like they're being heard. So uh, having a sense of belonging, because when, when you get a person to feel like they belong to something, they really feel like they can root for it. And that's where the community starts to come into play. So there's a lot of strategies in the book, like how to get people to engage, how to get people to speak up. One of the one quick simple thing is instead of just uh, asking people questions, ask people for the answer. And what I mean by that, it's just a simple nuance. But what I mean is instead of just asking people like, hey, what'd you guys do today? Ask your audience questions that there is a definite answer to, uh, almost like a quiz. Because I don't know about you, but I've been alone in a room before watching a game show and literally yelling out answers because people love to know that they know the right answer. And that's a quick, fun way to get people and encourage your audience to, uh, to get up and, and, and start answering questions because everybody wants to have the best answer to something. And what people need is they have uh, the, they just need permission for, for you to do that. So, th so that's one way to do it. Um, another way to get people to feel like they're a part of community is to give them a lot of behind the scenes looks at what, what you have going on, like some quote, secret stuff that only community members would, would really know about. Uh, the, the example I use in uh, the book is like In-N-Out Burger. If you've ever been to the West Coast, you might have run into somebody who has been to In-N-Out, and they're likely going to tell you not just how great the In-N-Out burgers are, but they're going to tell you something like, hey, make sure you get uh, the, the, the burger animal style. It's, it's not on the menu. It's on the secret menu. You can get your fries animal style too with the sauce and the onions and the cheese on it. Everybody who is a fan of In-N-Out will tell you that because it makes them feel special that they're the ones to introduce that to you. So giving yeah. your audience those special things that they can then take and share with others because that empowers them, makes them feel like they belong to something even more. Mm -hmm. Mr. Joe Kamago, ew, no, Five Guys, way better. Oh, Five, five Guys, five okay. Guys. 
Five Guys <laughs> is way better. I'm a super <laughs> fan. It's no contest. Sorry, everybody else, but um, just I it, it's something about California. It's like I think there's a nostalgia thing, you know, that goes with it, and it, it um, enhances the whole super fan notion, right? When you've grown up with something, it's not just the food; it's the experience that you 100%, have. Percent, right? Percent. Which and, is why another thing I talk about is creating those experiences in person or online where community the community can come together. It's almost like a baseball game, right? It's one thing to watch a baseball game on television and feel like you're rooting for the team, but it's a whole another aspect to literally be at a game and see the team win and win with them or lose with them. And if things go right, you're high-fiving people that you don't even know because it's just bringing that community together. And of course, as a result of those experiences, you have these memories that you could take home with you. You talk about the game on social media or on the next day at the water cooler, you're wearing the cap, you're, you're spreading the message of that brand, like great things happen. Uh, the example that I use in the book is my wife. So she's a, a, a super fan of the Backstreet Boys, um, a boy band. Somehow we ended up together because I'm an NSYNC fan. So I don't know how that worked out. <laughs> but, uh, she was like, I want it that way. And you're like, bye, bye, bye. Yeah, ex- dude. Spot on, my friend. I love it. Uh, So she talked about her first concert and what that experience was like. So, uh, you know, she got the tickets and it was months away. So, of course, it was like an event that she could look forward to. She would talk about it. She'd wonder what it would be like to see them. She was even like talking with her friend she was going with about like what they were going to wear. I'm like, why does it even matter? They're not even going to look at you. But anyway, um, then she remembers that day and how great it was. She remembers vividly the, the set list and everything that they played. She even met some new friends who were next to her. Why? Because they all had the same love. They all had the same commonality. It was this boy band called the Backstreet Boys. And um, she made some friends even at that concert which is which is pretty cool. And we could do the same thing. We can go to meetup.com instead of a meetup. And yes, it's not quite as extravagant as a big stage, but you're bringing your people together. And that's the thing. Like I remember um, one thing I do when I go to conferences, you guys, is I, I often run out a restaurant or I just meet at a coffee shop somewhere and I'll let my audience know like, hey, I'm going to be here. would love to meet with you. And it's always fun because I get, you know, a, a wide range of people to come in and they all have that one thing in common. And, and that's they listen to the podcast or they follow my blog. But it was funny because one time I did this in St. Louis after an event. And at the end of the night, there was a woman there who I hadn't seen the entire night. It was like four hours. And I felt bad because I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't get a chance to talk to you. So I went up to her and I was like, hey, you know, um, you know, I saw her name tag was like Jennifer. And I was like, hey, Jennifer, I'm sorry. We didn't have a chance to meet. She's like, Pat, don't don't take offense to this. But I didn't come here to see you. And I was like, huh? And she was like, no, like I hear your voice every day. I listen to your podcast. I love it. It's great but I never get a chance to see other people just like me. And you've provided that today. And thank you for that. So she was like going around the whole night meeting people and felt great about that. And um, she even met some potential business partners there too, she said, which was really cool. So just shows you that people want to find other people like them. And you as a creator, as a podcaster, as a host or what have you, you have the ability to at any moment create these nice little gatherings and meetings uh, no matter how big or small or online or offline they might be. And that's she's like, thing. she's going beat it, Pat, you know, hit, hit the bricks, dude. Hey, you're listening to on air on Castbox live with Joel common, Travis, Wright. Our guest here is Mr. Pat Flynn of the smart passive income podcast and author of the book, super fans. And we're going to take questions from those of you that are joining us live. So if you're using the Castbox app, then within the app, you could type your question or mo better. How often do you get a chance to talk? 
with Pat Flynn and ask him a question yourself. Just go ahead and call in using the app. You tap the little phone button there, and I'll see that you're calling in. We'll bring you in here. And while we're waiting for those to come in, Pat, we talk about passive income. There's a lot of people that want multiple streams of passive income. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to just make money over here. I want to make it over that and over that and over that. And if you look at, you know, you used to have your income reports and you would show in your income reports all the different ways that you make passive income multiple ways. So what do you Mm -hmm. tell people that want to do that? I say that's great. Diversification is important because when your sponsorships go dry, then you can still rely on your online courses. When your online courses, if those were to go down, then you can rely on your affiliate marketing. I think it's important. I think that a lot of people are actually missing out on easy opportunities, relatively speaking, to generate an income, especially through things like affiliate marketing, because we all recommend things to others. You might as well get paid for those recommendations. But I always say, especially for those that are just starting out, pick the one method or the one thing that will get you there sooner than later. And that's a huge thing because, you know, uh, I have my own story of my very first dollars online. I, I put AdSense on that architecture website before I had my own product, and I made a dollar and 18 cents that day. Hey, uh, where, did, where did you learn about AdSense there, Pat? Uh, there was this book by a guy named Joel Kahn that was really key in helping me understand where to place these ads. <laughs> Ooh, how nice. Yeah. I see what you did there. Oh, <laughs> nice. And I, we have a caller. I want, I'm going to cut in for just a second just because JC, the other JC, Preston, is on the line. JC, what's up? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, what's man. Up, JC? Hey, Pat. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, how, how's your podcast going? I know you have one. And uh, It's going. It's going. It's uh, session 156 coming out this week. 156. So, nice, man. Yep. It's uh, – had to scale it back, release every every two weeks, but it's once I get a team underneath me, it'll be picking up again for sure. Hey, I got a question for you though. Um, what, if anything, did you change between your process of writing this book versus your Will of Fly book? Oh, great question. And shout out to you again, JC, and your podcast, Angles of Latitude, um, which you put here in the in the cast box chat, which is. Another reason to be live on these shows. Um, So the book process this time was very interesting. Will It Fly was a complete drag. I actually struggled with it for over a year before I actually hired a coach to help me through the process who really helped me mentally through that process. I'm I'm very glad I worked with him. So I figured, okay, this time should be a little bit easier. But guess what? I didn't have any time. I didn't have any time to write it because I had an event to plan and all these other things going on. There literally was no time. So... What I ended up doing was I hired a company that some of my friends have used before to help me write it. And I was a little bit worried about that because the idea was going to be, okay, well, they're going to do all these interviews for a few months to help me write this book. And that way the stories are still mine. It's still my voice. They're just helping me extract the information from my brain through my voice. And being a podcaster, that was much easier. I could get several more words per minute than if I were to write it down. And I was like, okay, I can try that out and do it. So we did that. I went through two months of interviews. Uh, a, a, the same person interviewing me a couple times every single week. It was actually a very, very long process. And at the end of this process, they would provide you with one or two chapters in, in quote, your voice, and you would kind of approve it or change things. And I remember getting my first version of that and going, whoa, this this does not sound like me, um, especially because it was a lot of personal stories and things like that. So I was I was very hesitant. And I was like, okay, we, like try another chapter. 
they tried another chapter a few weeks went by i got i got the manuscript and i was like this does not feel right like i i I just am not comfortable with this process and a lot of people are and that's fine but for me i wasn't and then uh they felt bad they were like oh we let you down let's try again different interviewer different manuscript writer and i was like all right like i believe in this process and and i think we can get something good so we literally went through the same process again with more people they were so generous and i got the thing back and it just did not feel right and i felt terrible because that was a lot of time but i also didn't want to pr- pr- promote it and publish it in that way because it just didn't feel like me so i was like you know what i guess i'm not going to write this book so that was tough um but November 2018 rolled around, and there's this thing every November called NaNoWriMo, which stands for National Novel Writers Month. Uh, uh, and, uh, and I was like, hmm, maybe I can just for a month put my head down every single day and write as much as I can and see if I can churn out this book. Now, it did help that I'd gone through the process of these interviews because we had a very clear outline, which was great. But um, that's what I started with when I went through NaNoWriMo, and I wrote every single day. And I was going to hold myself accountable by sharing how many words I was writing every single day with my audience. And so I was playing a little game. I was like, hey, if you can be closest to guess how many words I write per day without going over, I'm going to give you a prize every day. And I gave away Will It Fly actually every day. Um, And I remember the first day people were guessing like 3,000 words, 3,500, 2,500, 5,000. I was like, oh, thanks, guys. This is really encouraging. First day, I wrote 400 words. And it just felt, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to let everybody down. But I wanted to hold myself accountable. So I let everybody know, hey, nobody guessed right. I got 400 words, but I'm going to continue to write tomorrow. Get, uh, throw in your guesses for tomorrow. 200, 300. You got this, Pat. Um, and then, you know, every day I wrote more and more and more. And I didn't finish by the end of November, which was the challenge. I finished on my birthday, December 6th. And that's when the first uh, draft was was born. And it was fully me, all me. And I gave it to my team and it just it just sounded like me because it was. And um, six months later, the book came out after a number of editing rounds and a design cover. And uh, we worked with a, a company called New Type Publishing, which was new because instead of print on demand like it was for Will It Fly, we wanted to go with higher quality. We wanted to get distribution, but we still wanted to keep it self-published. And so even though it's still self-published, it's in, it's in Barnes & Noble. It'll be in airports uh, very shortly here. And um, the only difference is I've had to buy the, the book orders in bulk up front because there's a printing round. So there was a little bit more of an investment. Mm-hmm. I'm experimenting. It was crazy. Joel, you've gone through this process before. I mean, where do you even land on self-publishing versus traditional versus these hybrid models that are out now? It's just there's so many options now. It's kind of overwhelming. Mm, absolutely. We've got another call from Meta Minds. Meta, are you there? Yes, I am here. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. What's on your mind, Meta? <laughs> so, thank you for doing this. Hello, Pat. Hello, everyone else. I'm chatting to Joel and Travis. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so basically, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to put out where where we're at with our podcast and just get a bit of advice, I guess. So, my friend and I started a podcast uh, 30 weeks ago, and we've been doing an episode every single week progressively growing, progressively uh, building an audience and bringing on bigger and bigger guests and trying to like really build up a community. And we've started thinking about uh, like monetization options, which we've been thinking about obviously when we first started, but we knew that we had to put in the work and kind of start building everything up. But 
I guess I'm curious about like in terms of credibility and in terms of the the actual growth and progress. Is there a point that you think we should start going to that monetization model? Is it too early right now to go into it, or or is it fine to start doing that? Because we've looked into like uh, approaching sponsorships or starting to write a book or doing a course. And we've got all these ideas, but it's also like we're only 30 episodes in. Is that too early to start really thinking about pushing that brand further? That's a great question. I'm going to uh, drop and let you listen to Pat's answer on that. Yeah, uh, this is a great question. I think that even a brand new podcaster who's starting from day one, episode one, can begin thinking about monetization. I think it's great that you're thinking about it. And honestly, any time is the right time, as long as you're doing it for the right reasons. I think if you're going into sponsorships, it's a little bit more difficult to do it sooner because a lot of sponsors and advertisers are going to look to see how many downloads you have and they want that reassurance that, yes, they're going to get uh, listens and whatnot. However, I do know a lot of podcasters who just have uh, you know a few thousand downloads per episode as opposed to the tens of thousands that you might expect to need and they've worked with companies privately because those companies know that audience is very targeted so if you have a very targeted audience that may work out really well in terms of sponsorships however there's a couple more uh, opportunities that you might be able to have right in front of you for monetization for example affiliate marketing are there any products that your audience is already buying you, know, you can even if you have a community already uh, a quick way to know that answer is just to go hey what was the last thing you bought that was really helpful related to X, Y, or Z, whatever it is that you're teaching uh, and talking about. And they'll tell you, oh, I bought this or this, this product is great. And you can use that to then reach out to those companies and go, hey, my audience really loves you. And I'd love to have you on the show, for example, or I'd love to promote your product to my audience. Um, that even may set up a sponsorship opportunity. But I love the affiliate stuff because that company doesn't need to worry about losing money. They, they only pay you when you make sales for them, and that's through a commission. Uh, and there are likely products on Amazon that you could even promote right now as well. And just to get, kind of get your feet wet with that, I think it's also great uh, to think about you know, something like that is your own, like a book or a course or something like that. Uh, but I, I, I would never want to guess on that. What I would recommend is having conversations with your audience to see exactly what you can provide to them. And that may be a book. It may be a course. It may be coaching. It may be other. And that way you're removing the guesswork and allowing your audience to essentially guide you in terms of what you should be creating next. Uh, but I think that you can get started right now and uh, thinking about it. And even even if you might not have any people buying whatever thing that you have, you know, pod, right now, podcasts are very evergreen. And so that's why I, I always recommend for people just starting out, think about what you can promote as an affiliate because yeah, episode one right now, nobody's listening to it. But when you get to episode 100 and people are going back to your archive, I mean, they're going to hear that promotion then. You're planting seeds now. So th those are just some high level thoughts on, on what you can do for monetization. But um, I, I think the biggest thing for you would be to listen to your community. I would also uh, think about using your podcast now that you have 30 episodes in a community that's building. Use that platform not just just to bring big names on, but bring your community on. Uh, invite a couple community members on who maybe you've helped or have created success stories for. And that becomes a more relatable type of episode that gets uh, the light under your audience fired up and get them moving. And, that, and maybe that leads into a product of some kind. Yeah, you know what? I, I want to say this, Pat, is that, you know, I think just the, just the title of your book made me stop and think. 
I, it had an impact on me because I mean, we we're standing out there, we're like, oh, we're gonna go see the Pat Flynn's thing here at Podcast Movement Cool, and then I saw the book and I was like, super fans, and then immediately I started thinking, wow. Well, I've not actually ever framed it like that of like making the fa- the fans so, you know, just the important and having the top one sort of bubble up to the top. So immediately it made our it made Joel and I start, you know, thinking about how do we sort of surface our super fans and we've already taken action. We did a sh- we had our 300th episode for Bad Crypto uh mm-hmm. happened last week and for our 300th episode, we had we scheduled time on Calendly. We had like 15 minute blocks and we had eight you know eight different people signed up almost immediately and then we interviewed them and then we compiled all of them on an episode and it was episode 300 it was a fan appreciation episode That's cool. I, and that, so those were your listeners that came on yes, yes. yep That's awesome i mean yeah how, how cool would it be for somebody brand new who's never listened to you before to to hear listeners just like them on the show too like that's empowering that's like wow this is this is more than just a podcast. This is a community. That's great. Well done. Well, it acts as a testimonial to, you know, let pe- people know, oh, wow, people actually listen to these guys. We've got Aaron on the line. Hey, Aaron, what's happening? Aaron, are you there? It says you're connected. All right, try and uh, call in again and you can uh, ask your question. Uh, your further thoughts on what uh, Travis just said? Yeah, I mean, uh, really it's about providing those special moments for people. I think we live in an age now where we are highly focused on getting a bunch of new people to find us. And that's great. Search engine optimization, Facebook ads, you know, all the different apps and directories out there. Those are fantastic. But I think people are missing out on the opportunity to take it one, two, three steps further and providing those amazing experiences once people are there. Mm. And with how much noise there is out there right now, that's exactly what we need to do. And that's the cool thing about this is once you build these super fans, like it doesn't matter what happens to any of these apps or technology. Those people are going to work to find you and stick with you no matter what happens. And, and you know, a lot of these people who are building their uh, entire businesses on something like Instagram or TikTok, like, cool, great for them. But I hope they're building an email list. I hope they're connecting with people and getting to know who they are, because what happens when those things go away or change or algorithms get in the way? I mean, your super fans are going to be there no matter what. I mean, when you think about where most of your engagement, where most of your repeat customers, where most of the uh, ambassadorship comes from, it doesn't come from people who just found you. It comes from people who've been with you for a while. The cool thing is these tools that 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 are are are, are there are, 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 can help us. Like I, one quick thing that I talk about in the book that we could all do right now, right after this call, uh, is to pick up your phone or device, whatever it is, and use, if you're on Instagram or wherever you have followers, send individuals a video thank you with no other agenda than to just thank them for following you and subscribing or whatever. They're going to be blown away. Like a video, just it, can, it doesn't have to be highly produced. It could be very raw. But the coolest thing is to get a personalized message from somebody, and nobody's doing that. And you're going to get a high response rate. People are going to be blown away. And the crazy thing is it only takes like eight to 10 seconds to do, but it makes such a huge impact. Those small little things like this doesn't need to cost money to do. Um, The funny thing about the book is like none of it's actually new stuff. It's actually old stuff brought back in today's world. Back when we all lived in small towns and everybody knew each other and you walk into a store and they call Joel, what's up? How are your kids? Like, how was that soccer game last weekend? And you're like, oh, it was good. How's your wife doing? Like that kind of stuff is gone now. 
and we can bring it back with the tools that we have. We're just we're just so focused on growing the numbers, right? Uh, I think we need to be focused on growing the experiences. Mm, I like that. Uh, Stanga Lee is on the line with us. S. Lee, what's going on? Hello, hello. How's it going, everybody? Hello. Well, I I got a couple of questions. I'm assuming I'm talking to representatives from Castbox right now. Uh, it's like advertisers or what, what? No, you're you're talking. To, this is Joel Com and and Travis Wright is here. We're the hosts of the show, and uh, Pat Flynn is our guest. Okay, uh, my question regarding what you were saying about getting additional members and how it can help Castbox grow as a community uh, in order to get sponsorship. Um, my friend does a weekly show, and I'm known as the reluctant co-host. I, I host my own shows, but they're just silly. But his is like a serious show that he likes to do. So if if we want to promote in order for CastBox itself to gain more sponsorship, and I, I got to say for myself, I don't actually want to make any money from this because if I start making money for myself, it might become like a job, then it would lose its appeal for me. I got, I'm set, I'm doing all right. But if we want to help you as a community grow through sponsors, like what would be a way to do that? Would there be a way like should we start advertising products or would we need to contact people and say, hey, we do a weekly show. We have this many followers. It's not many, trust me, but, you know, contact people and say, hey, we can mention your product on our on our podcast. Or, like, I, I'm not understanding quite what you're getting at. Pat? Yeah, I mean, first of all, on the topic of making money, I think it's totally okay to make money. Sonny here is a big fan of that as well and is shameless about it. And and me too, because I think that making money allows me to, to, to do what I love even more. It allows me to help even more people. So the fact that you're doing all right now is, is totally fine. But I, I wouldn't just walk away from the potential for you to work with advertisers and sponsors to promote their products on your show, for example, uh, in exchange for a little bit of dime here and there to help support you and what you do and, and maybe even give that back to the audience in some way and make them feel like a part of something. So I think that's an idea. But when it comes to your podcast, I think if you use any products, that's where I would start. Whatever products you end up using or you love, things that you could talk about naturally authentically on your on your podcast it's it's worth reaching out to those companies and saying hey you know what we'd love to uh to work with you and and you know in exchange for a little bit of money here and there or for a certain dollar value we'd love to just talk about you in every episode during this next month and uh you know the the biggest piece of advice i have for anybody who is going to be doing advertising uh especially if you want to consider your audience is to just make sure it's a win for everybody right like uh it's a win for you because you're making money it's a win for your audience because they're getting promoted a product that actually serves them and the company wins too because they're getting in front of an audience that would be hard for them to get in front of because they don't have the trust that you have with them and it doesn't really matter how big or small your show is you can always ask and see if if it'll if it'll follow sunny here is asking do you suggest having a certain amount of followers before approaching um i would say have a certain number of episodes four to eight would be minimum before you reach out because before you have a show it's tough because you have nothing to really show in terms of what your style is like and how a person or or an advertiser might fit in but um 
I think reaching out to the company first and just trying to build a relationship with them, even before asking Stangley, just reach out to the company and say, hey, we love your stuff. We love working with you. Do you like we'd love to maybe work with you. Have you ever done any podcast ads or is there anything else that we could do together? Um, and just keep it keep it there. And, and, and really, it's about building that relationship with that company versus, um, hey, company, we have a podcast. We have this many listeners. How would you like to sponsor us? And, you know, that's that's dry, you know, build a real relationship and, and you never know what will come out of that. We're all happy capitalists here. Let's see. Aaron's trying to call in again. Aaron, are you there? Yeah. Aaron? Hey, yes, I am. Hey, Aaron. Well, maybe. I think she's Hello? in the car. Yep. Talk to us, Aaron. Oh, hi. Hi, Pat. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for calling in. Good. Uh, great to see you. It's Florida podcast movement. I wanted to ask, because obviously you've been doing this for some time now, I wanted to know what is the one thing that you wish you had known when you first started your podcast? The one thing I wish I would have known was how big of an impact the show could actually make. Back in 2011, uh, early 2011, I almost quit. I almost quit the podcast. And the reason was because... I was getting in that grind of content creation, right? Like every time I hit publish, it was like, oh no, I got to figure out what to make the next episode about. And I have to edit it and I have to do all these things. And it wasn't until I received a very special email from somebody that I realized just what kind of impact the show could make, which after learning about that made me go all in on it. It made me go much deeper into it uh, and, and, and explore how I can help even more people. And, and the email I got was uh, the subject line was uh please read you saved my life and the email was like pages long so it was a good subject line i'm not saying everybody's subject line should be you saved my life just to get clicks but it actually was a good it was it was actually a story um and the story was this person who was in poland a year and a half before i received this email they got in a terrible snowboarding accident and had broke both of his legs and he was unable to work unable to support his family terrible situation he even included x-rays in his email and he said when he was on his bed super depressed and unable to move he found my podcast and he said that he felt like i was his coach he felt like even though i don't teach physical therapy that i was helping him through the toughest time in his life and he uh he mentioned a particular episode that i created where i was helping people with their goal setting to create and, and this is what i teach when i when i teach goal setting is to reach so high that it feels almost impossible not not impossible but almost impossible so with two broken legs he decided he was going to run a marathon in a year and a half and uh was working toward that and he shared this picture at the end of his email of him on his legs crossing the finish line at this marathon that had literally just happened a week before i received this email and he was holding up a banner and on the banner it was in Polish, but he translated it. It said, thank you to his wife and kids. Thank you to God. And, and, and right there, it said, thank you, Pat Flynn. And he was crossing the finish line with that. And I was like in tears because I was almost about to give up on my show. And it made me realize that you may never even know who is listening on the other end and the impact that you might have on their life. But you have to keep going. And I'm so blessed that that email came in when it did because I was literally about to pull the plug because my blog had more numbers at the time. And, you know, it was easier to edit a, a blog post than create a whole episode and, and that sort of thing. So that, that's the number one thing is just realizing that 
the impact it could have on one person. And of course, there might be even more versions of that person out there that you will never hear of. Um, so that's number one. And number two, I wish I just got gotten started sooner um, because of the impact, but also because of the impact it's made on my business. Uh, I had um, proclaimed on my website in 2008 that I was going to have a podcast. I even bought all the equipment and I recorded a little test audio file and I shared that with my audience. Um, and then my first episode came out a year and a half later. And I think for everybody listening who has yet to start a podcast, I mean, podcasting is 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 starting to come mainstream now. Uh, there are still less than 1 million podcasts. Compare that to over 500 million YouTube channels. I mean, now's the time to start if you haven't already. And I only wish I started sooner because it's just made that much of an impact on my business and, and, and my life. Hey, um, Pat, I, I have a question around, you know, you were talking about advertising and making sure you had a product or a way to make money back with your advertising. Now, if you want to maybe, if you can maybe talk a little bit about how you do advertising for your podcast and maybe, have you ever done advertising for an affiliate deal that you're doing? Like maybe some, if you sell this, it's going to be X amount. Have you done advertising selling that? Is that one of your smart passive income ways? Yeah. I mean, I've used the podcast. So for example, I am an affiliate for an email service provider called ConvertKit. Uh, full disclosure, I'm also an advisor for the company now. Uh, but anyway, um, they don't do podcast sponsorships. However, I have uh, at the end of my episodes, every once in a while, we'll go. And by the way, if you'd like to get, you know, your free 30-day trial to ConvertKit, go to this website, right? And that's not anything that even they asked for. That's something that I put in there myself in the same spot that an advertiser or a sponsor would go. But it's an affiliate deal, meaning every time somebody goes through that link, it gets tracked to me. And if a person ends up purchasing after the 30-day free trial, I get a 30% commission. And I get that so long every single month as that person stays on. Uh, so, you know, some of those spots have now run on the show uh, for years now. And they continue to drive new customers because that episode was about email marketing or it featured the guest. Uh, the guest was, was the founder of that company or I just happened to mention it. So even before you, like, you don't even need a, quote, sponsorship deal if you are an affiliate for a product you can just insert it in there you just can't call them technically a sponsor because they're they they that wasn't the type of deal you set up they're an affiliate and you have to disclose that at least if you're in the u.s um to your audience uh, every time you do that so that that's number one but with with the regular sponsorships meaning a company pays me a lump sum of money for a certain amount of time that i mention their product and or company and for a certain number of episodes then usually it's done beforehand uh, and, and they give me a special uh, script of things that I need to talk about uh, in, in a certain time of the show. And uh, in addition to that, usually they have like a special tracking code or a link. You might hear that every once in a while, like use my code this at check checkout and you get this. That's so they can keep track of how it's performing. And, uh, you know, usually it's done in, in chunks of, you know, two episodes, four episodes, eight episodes because I come out weekly. And uh, I give them usually a little bit of a discount if they come in for longer. But I remember when I first started doing that, I was only charging four hundred to five hundred dollars per episode, and now I'm I'm charging upwards of six to nine thousand dollars per episode per sponsor, which is crazy. But I mean, I'm over the six figure per episode mark now at this point. But it didn't start like that. It, it's it's almost a decade in now. Um, but you can start small and, and and it can scale with you. 
you are a wealth of information and knowledge, Mr. Pat Flynn. And I want to respect your time. I'm so grateful that you could join us here today. Has it been an hour? Away? Answer. It's been. Yeah, no I know. Way. Like time flies, right? It does when you're having fun. The uh, the website is smartpassiveincome.com. The book Super Fans sold where all books, you know, you can find books all the places, bookstores, online bookstores. Uh, go to Pat's house. He'll sign a copy for you. No, don't do Don't show up at his house. Don't come but, to my house. <laughs> uh, Pat, uh, go ahead and speak to your super fans that are listening right now and, and drop whatever knowledge you want here in the last minute. Yeah. Hey, Team Flynn. I appreciate you for listening in, uh, especially on the replay if you're listening. Um, and for those of you who have never met or heard of me before, I just thank you for for taking the time. I hope that uh, I've said something that is worthwhile for you. And if you'd like to dig in deeper with a lot of my stuff, head on over to smartpassiveincome.com or check out the Smart Passive Income podcast. Uh, but Team Flynn, I look forward to hearing and seeing you on the podcast and potentially at FlynnCon next year and all the good places. Just uh, I appreciate your support. You've done so much for me, and I continue to be here to serve you because that's what it's about. And uh as I always say, Team Flynn for the win. Well said, Mr. Travis Wright. Any last words? That was great stuff. A lot of great information, a lot of great uh, energy and great questions. So I think that was awesome. Well, thanks, Pat. We appreciate you, my friend. Go enjoy time with your family, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you again later. I will do that. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, everybody. Thank and you. and uh, big thanks to uh, CastBox for making this happen. Rock on. And uh, this tool, CastBox Livecast, anybody can do this, gang. All you got to do is fire up the CastBox app and uh, sign up. And whether if you've got a podcast already, then you've probably got some people that are following you and you can actually send a push notification to let them know when you're live. But if not, you can create your own show here quickly and easily. It's super fun and super easy. Right, Travis? It's so true. If Joel Com, Mr. Joel Com could do it. Anyone can do Anybody it. Anybody can do it. We've got more on-air episodes coming up here in the near future. You're going to want to watch the CastBox app for the schedule. We've got Lewis Howes is going to be coming up, and also Justin Long, the actor who has a podcast of his own, is going to be on an upcoming episode, and you'll have a chance to ask them both questions using CastBox. That's true, and Mr. Joel Kahn will be there. I will be here as well. We will be your Sherpas through the discussion as we have been it's been fun the podcast sherpas of course travis and i co-host the bad crypto podcast so if you want to learn about bitcoin blockchain and how the future of digital money is going to impact your life we invite you to join the legions of super fans that enjoy listening to our show badcryptopodcast.com thanks again to Castbox for providing this opportunity to do this show and we'll catch you guys on the next show over the flippity flop or whatever that is so stay back <laughs> <laughs> the flippity flop that was good yeah.